Israel is commanded to practice God's law. Now, this is absolutely fascinating from Deuteronomy chapter 4. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Thank you for tuning in and joining us today as we focus on this. Looking at the book of Deuteronomy is fascinating. And we're going to do that today. Corey and Ryan are with us. Corey, what's up? I'm going to be taking a look at some potential figurine idols that were discovered in ancient Israel. Ryan? Well, today in our reading, the Ten Commandments are being reviewed. And so with that on our minds, I'd like to talk about the law and specifically the essence of the law. All right. That sounds really interesting. Janice? Let's not forget. All right, we won't, so get your Bible out. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4. This is going to be interesting today as we learn what God is telling us. Turn your Bible and let's go. Deuteronomy 4, verses 9 through 20. Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your hearts all the days of your life. And teach them to your children and your grandchildren, especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord your God in Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me, and I will let them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. Then you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire to the midst of heaven, with darkness, cloud, and thick darkness. And the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but saw no form, you only heard a voice. So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that you might observe them in the land which you cross over to possess. Take careful heed to yourselves for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, out of the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground or the likeness of any fish that is in the water beneath the earth. And take heed, lest you lift your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the host of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be his people, an inheritance, as you are this day. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 9 through 20.
Deuteronomy chapter 4 through chapter 6. This is very interesting as we continue to read through the Bible. Now, it becomes important for us to hear what God says. One of the greatest temptations for the ancient cultures was to worship idols, things that were created to mimic God and mimic worship. In fact, we still have that temptation today. Many in today's world worship their own pleasure and experience. Now, in recent years, the bucket list has become a household staple to complete, a lifelong to-do list of all of your most precious desires and fantasies and dreams. Do it all before you die. It's a bit idolatrous. I mean, if you ask me, think about it. Why do we worship these things that we have to do? As Christians, if we live forever, then we know that our best life is not now, but comes when we move into eternity. The essence of what we believe is always challenged by the culture in which we are born. Moses knew this very well. He told the people to pay attention to the command of God and not to make places or idols of worship. That's what Moses said through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I got news for you. That's what we're saying today. Don't make idols. Worship God. Take your Bible guide. Turn to today's passage as we study worshiping idols. becomes very important. If you don't have a Bible guide, call us or write to us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, it'll take you to click on that. It'll take you to a page where you can make a donation. Thank you for your donations. We very much appreciate them. They keep us going around here, keep the lights on, the cameras moving and everything else. But keep in mind that it takes you to another place where you can download the Bible guide just exactly how we printed it. So that becomes very important. And uh, today we're going to pray for what we're studying today in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Father, help us today. Help us to study this and understand what you're saying. Help us to repent of any idol worship we've made in our lives, the cultural ideas sweeping in and out of our existence affect us. So help us to stay straight. Help us to count on your standards, not the standards of our culture. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' wonderful name, and we said together, amen. I'll tell you, that's important, isn't it? Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9 says, only take heed to yourself, Moses says. Take heed to yourself, pay attention to yourself, and diligently keep yourself. Diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen. Lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. And teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord, your God, in Horeb. When the Lord said to me, gather the people to me, and I will let them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth. All the days they live on the earth. That's really important. And that they may teach their children. A very important point as well. Not the youth pastor, not the pastor. You, parents, teach your children and grandparents. Then you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire to the midst of heaven. 
with darkness and cloud and thick darkness. And the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. You only heard the voice, which leads me to this point. The people heard God's voice at Mount Sinai. God is alive today and he's well, we serve him. God is alive and well and we serve him. Jesus Christ is alive and he lives. He sits at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit's here right now. Let me tell you something. He's as close as the mention of his name. Verses 13 and 14 say, So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded at that time to teach you statutes and judgments, that you might observe them in the land which you cross over to possess. In other words, Israel is commanded to practice God's law. Practice God's law to serve Jesus Christ as Lord. We must know his word and follow him in all that we do. Here it is. Right here. You don't need to put somebody's prophecy on a wall. You don't need to go out and buy something. It's right here. The word of God. Right here. Over a thousand pages. And as we read it through the year, we learn what God said to us. And as we learn what God said to us, we make it a part of our lives. Beloved, we need to hear what God is saying, especially today, especially right now. Very important. Deuteronomy 4.15, take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of a male or a female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air. The likeness of anything that creeps on the ground or the likeness of any fish that is in the water beneath the earth. And take heed, pay attention, lest you lift your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the hosts of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them. You feel driven by your sin nature to worship and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the people under the whole earth and heaven as a heritage. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be his people, an inheritance as you are this day. That is so relevant. Israel is told to worship only God. The Ten Commandments are vital. We would do well to know and to live by them. I like to ask people, do you know the Ten Commandments? Because everybody talks about them. Do you know what they are? Do you know the first four are about God and, and, and the last six are about us and each other? Do you know what they are in order? It's good to keep in mind from Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 what the Ten Commandments are. To understand what they say, to listen to them, because they're just as relevant today as they've ever been. God divided it down to two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. 
and love your neighbor as yourself. Very interesting. How do you do that? Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. Very important. So it's no wonder that uh, the enemy tries to get rid of the Ten Commandments today because that's the way you de destructuralize the working of God. Beloved, understand the Word of God. Very, very important. And Lord, help us today to understand what you've said to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus Christ spoke to us and told us not to be afraid, not to be troubled by these times. This is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning of God's final reconciliation with the world. God is going to make things change in our lives. And this is very important. He has selected you and myself to live in this time. And I find that absolutely amazing. Well, today our reading is Deuteronomy chapters four through six, and it's in chapter five that the Ten Commandments are reviewed. Now, interestingly, it's from these Ten Commandments or Ten Statements that the word Decalogue is derived. But of course, the law God gave to Moses included a lot more than just Ten Commands. In fact, there are over 600 laws. Now, obviously, trying to obey every law perfectly is humanly impossible. Only Jesus could follow and fulfill the entire law. Now, that being said, there is an essence to the law which several of the human writers of the Bible attempted to bring out. And it's this essence of the law which I'd like to bring to light today. So let's go. It is during Israel's exodus from Egypt when God, with his own finger, inscribed two stone tablets with the Ten Commandments. Although these ten laws or statements are extremely important, these represent only a small portion of the entire law. In fact, the law which God gave to Moses, what we now call the Mosaic Law, contained 613 commands. 365 of these are negative, such as you shall not or do not, while 248 of them are positive. As any observant Jew, past or present, knows, following these 613 laws to the letter is virtually impossible. That's why men of God throughout the ages attempted to reduce, or better, to summarize the law. They sought to capture the very essence of that law. King David, for example, in Psalm 15, reduced the entire law to 11 commands. Later, Isaiah the prophet, in chapter 33, verse 15, again reduced the law to six commands. Similarly, the prophet Micah, in chapter 6, verse 8, reduced the law even further to just three commands. And the shepherd and fruit picker Amos, who was possibly the first of the prophets to put down his prophecies in writing, reduced the law to just two commands in chapter 5 of his book. And the prophet Habakkuk in chapter 2 reduced the law even further into just one command, the just shall live by faith. Also, James, the brother of Jesus, in chapter 1, verse 27 of his book, says that pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. However, the ultimate refinement and summation of the 613 laws comes from Jesus Christ himself, who reduces them to just two. The first of which is based upon Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18, namely, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second Jesus said is this, love your neighbor as yourself. 
There is no commandment greater than these. Jesus again refers to this golden rule in Matthew 7:12, saying, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Thus, the very essence of the 613 laws is to first love God and also to love neighbor. So fittingly, Jesus Christ sums up the essence of the law perfectly. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now that being said, I want to clear up some possible confusion I created regarding the importance of the law, because in the February Discovery Guide, I wrote an article that was called Leviticus, Literal and Typological. It was also a segment on one of the programs not too long ago. And in that article, I talk about how some of the ceremonial laws in Leviticus involving priests, as well as the animal sacrifices, are no longer literally applicable because there's no temple and because they were foreshadowing the ultimate sacrifice and high priest, Jesus Christ. And that's very true. But then with my choice of words, which unfortunately had already gone to print, I unintentionally made it sound like God's whole law, even his moral law, the Ten Commandments, was no longer literally applicable or permanent. And that's not true at all, nor do I hold that view. God's moral law is still literally applicable and eternal. And let me be clear. The law was not given to provide us righteousness and salvation, nor to take away sins, but to show us how short we all fall of God's standard for holiness. The Ten Commandments alone shows us just how much we need the Savior, Jesus Christ, the only one who ever lived in perfect accordance with the law. But let's make no mistake, God's moral law is everlasting, and even after we come to saving faith, our Lord still expects us to live by His holy standards. No, we're not perfect, but the Holy Spirit sanctifies us continually, conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. Praise God for His grace and His mercy. And for my full response to this, make sure that you get March, the March Bible Discovery Guide where I set the record straight. You know, it's interesting because uh, sometimes things we're, we're trying to get things ready to go, mm -hmm. and uh, it's like, hurry up, get this, get this, get that. Yep. That's what happens. That's what happens sometimes, but, yep. But it's very important that the ceremonial, the cultural, and the eternal side of the law all be re revealed. And the eternal yeah. side of the law is there. It's in the Ten Commandments. Corey? All right. Well, I want to talk about something that is made very explicit in the Ten Commandments, but also throughout the remainder of the entirety of the Old Testament. And that is the uh, that, that idol worship was not to be permitted. It wasn't to be a thing found anywhere in Israel, in God's people, it would violate the covenant that they had with God. Take a look. Idols pop up all across the pages of the Old Testament. Their first mention in Genesis is when the matriarch Rachel steals her father's household idols. In case the reader's left with any doubt on where God stands, Jacob orders his household to hand over all of their idols before sacrificing to God at Bethel, a purification process that saw Jacob burying them. In the books of the law, God specifically prohibits the creation and ownership of any sort of idol, but this didn't stop the Israelites from engaging in the practice. Throughout the Bible's historical books, we read of idolatry. Even in the house of King David, anointed by God and loyal in his heart, teraphim, commonly rendered household idols, were found. 
Archaeology has confirmed the existence of idolatry in ancient Israel and Judah, with the discovery of thousands of clay figurines from nearly all periods of occupation. But while it's confirmed the practice of having these figurines, it has not been able to explain what was actually done with them. The Bible, too, is silent on practices surrounding personal idols. What was their use? Were they symbolic? Were prayers and offerings given to them? Or were they purchased more as good luck charms and tucked away? Just as clay votives could be purchased and given as an offering at a pagan temple, perhaps household idols themselves were purchased at pagan temples and brought back home as a symbol of devotion. No one really knows, and while documents outlining religious practices of various people have been found, no outlines have been found to settle the mystery of household idols. In Israel and Judah, the most popular seem to have been a female figure, perhaps representing the deity Asherah that's mentioned in the Bible. Interestingly, it appears that all attempts to purify the worship of Israel and Judah were never 100% successful until after the return from the Babylonian exile. Despite extensive excavation, no figurine idols from this time period have been found in areas occupied by returned Israelites. This is in stark contrast to areas inhabited by other groups. It took an exile, but eventually ancient Israel lived, it seems, in accordance with the first and second commandments. So we know that uh, non-biblical worship or, or worship that went against the covenant of God, it went against the law of Moses, did happen in ancient Israel, not just from these figurine idols, but also from evidence, both literary and physical remains of pagan worship or mixed worship going on in the nation of Israel. But God had a special plan for Israel through these people specifically. He was bringing about his plan for salvation for the entire world, uh, his plan for the Messiah, for Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and so because of this, we, we can read in Deuteronomy chapter four that God had already spoken to them, when you get involved with idols, there will be very serious physical consequences consequences. You're going to be invaded. You're going to be scattered. You're not going to exist as a nation. But when you come back to me and obey me and cry out for me, I will remember the covenant that I have with your ancestors. So God, we see here this evidence of the special plan uh, to bring salvation, God's plan of salvation to the world through Israel. And that's really important today with a lot of things going on mm -hmm. in society. That's what we need to really understand is we've, we've got a choice to make and the choice to make should be God. Very good, Corey. Very interesting. Janice? Yes. Well, I called this Let's Not Forget. We're reading here in Deuteronomy chapter 4 where Moses is commanding obedience of God's people to God. And I, I love, I'm going to back up because I've got a happy face that's drawn here in my Bible at verse 7 and 8, going into verse 9. Moses is saying, For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason, we may call upon him. And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day? And then he goes on to remind the people, only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself lest you forget the things your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. 
And he goes on and he says, and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. And he says, especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord your God in Horeb, when the Lord said to me, gather the people to me and I will, I will tell them my words that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth and that they may teach their children. You know, it's really important to keep ourselves If we are followers of Christ, if we call ourselves a Christian, one who has given our hearts, dedicated our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we need to stay in that close relationship with the Lord. It's key to following Christ as a Christian. We can't, we can't know God. We can't follow Him correctly if we don't have that daily relationship with Him. I could live in the same house with Rod, and if we never spoke and if we never, never talked, we wouldn't have a a, a good relationship. It just doesn't happen that way. And so much more with the Lord. We need to spend that time with Him. We need to spend time reading the Bible and spending time in prayer with God, making Him a priority, not the last on the list, but the first on the list. I I, I like to tell people when they say, well, I don't have time for God, to put it this way, you know, what if we didn't have time to brush our teeth? Or what if we didn't have time to have a shower or a bath or put deodorant on or brush our hair. Can you imagine how we would look and how we would smell and how unhealthy we would be? Well, even more so spiritually, when we don't spend that time in prayer, in God's Word, and in that relationship, cultivating that, the Creator of the universe wants us to spend time with Him. He wants us in relationship with Him. That's why we refer to Him and He wants to be called our Heavenly Father. We are his children. So let's not forget. Let's remember where God has brought us from, what he has done for us in our lives. And don't just leave it there, but teach it to our children. And don't leave it there. Continue and teach it to your grandchildren. And you know what? If you don't have children or grandchildren of your own, I know that you can still be a wonderful influence teaching Sunday school, being babysitters. There are so many ways that you can be involved at being mentors in people's lives. So let's share our testimony. Let's teach God to our children and our grandchildren and to those around us. Let us not forget the great things that God has done for us, especially that moment that we gave our hearts to Him. That was life-changing, and we need to share that with others who are looking for that same hope for themselves. Well, today I want to remind you at the end of the program that we can pray for you three times a week, 3.30, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. That's Eastern time, 3.30 in the afternoon, Eastern time. And uh, if you join us live on Facebook and YouTube, we'll pray for you or Bible Discovery TV, very important. Today we pray and we say, Lord, help me to live your law 
by faith. Help me to live your law by faith and not to do what I want to do.